Hi, and good morning to River Christian Fellowship Sunday morning service. Yes, we're still experiencing that separation thing. And so until we get through this, I just want to once again welcome you all to the time we have together here on Sunday morning. And again, we want to encourage you to get your Bible. We're going to be going through as we've started the book of Genesis. We're going to continue on looking chapter by chapter, verse by verse, of what God had to say to not only how our world became, but also especially dealing with Lot and his, and, and his family this morning. So before we read, let's just pray and just ask God's blessing. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and help these words, God, uh, come alive. And may your Holy Spirit inspire them, that we'll learn from them, and God, that we can understand and learn from the mistakes of others so we don't have to make them all ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, we're in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. And so I just want to encourage you to look in your Bible with us and follow along. And um, of course, if you're driving down the road, probably uh, you can just listen because that could get kind of scary. But anyway, uh, chapter 19 in Genesis. Now, two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Now, we remember these two angels we find mentioned in the previous chapter, and they were with the Lord himself, most likely a Christophany of the Lord in the Old Testament. And even Jesus referred to one of these three different times where he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. And then it says in, in John 8, the Pharisees said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And this is when Jesus said in John eight fifty eight, before Abraham was, I am. They knew that Jesus was speaking that he was pre-incarnate. In other words, he existed before he was born in Bethlehem. Now, this wrecks a lot of um, cults interpretation of who Jesus was. And you'll always find in the cults, they have two things in common. Hell's not real. And Jesus wasn't God. You'll always find those two almost paralleling uh, in almost every cult. Or if they believe Jesus is God, so are you, and so is this chair, and so is this wall. Um, and, and so you'll always find um, a demotion of Jesus uh, within the cults. Now, as it says here, it says that the two angels came. Now, the, they were with Jesus initially, but uh, Jesus returned from where he came. And these two angels went on to Sodom and Gomorrah to warn them about the impending judgment of God. This is where Abraham said, well, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? How about if there was 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah? Would you, would you destroy the city then? God says, no, I wouldn't destroy the city for 50 righteous in the city. And he whittled him down till he got down to 10. And Abraham said, Abraham said, if there was 10, would you destroy the city? And God says, I would not destroy it for 10. I think at this point, uh, Abraham felt fairly confident because you got to figure he had his his family, uh, that would be just about 10. The problem is there wasn't even 10, even counting his own family. In fact, we're going to read here a little bit about what his family said when the angel said, get out of town because God's going to destroy this place. So as we read on, the two angels came to Sodom and it was in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, sitting in the gate of a city in those days met you were of somewhat in the government, perhaps the mayor or even something greater than that, because you had a pretty good idea of what was going on within the city by watching what comes in and goes out of the city. And so evidently Lot was, was um, uh, most likely a, a governor or something of this great city. Now, it's kind of funny because we 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 see the departure of Lot really from things that are godly. We find that he was with uh, Abraham, which was his, uh, Abraham, Lot was his nephew. And so we find that uh, they couldn't all live together because there was too many of them. And so Abraham said, you know, Lot, you, you pick it. I'll go the opposite direction. And so the Bible says that Lot picked Towards Sodom and Gomorrah, 
And the Bible said in those days it was like the Lord's garden, a well-watered garden. Now, by the time of King David, it was a, a desert. So what was interesting to me is the idea of climate change uh, has been going on ever since the flood. It is not man-caused. It's caused by simply the change in our environment. And they have been monitoring it. They said that during the days of the Roman Empire, northern Africa was the San Joaquin Valley of, of uh, the Roman Empire. They grew most of their food there. But we know that after just a few centuries, northern Africa became a desert. And so we've seen this increasing um, uh, dryness and and temperature uh, around the world. But it hasn't happened in just the last 100 years or 50 years. This has been going on ever since the flood. And the Bible is replete with illustrations of how things had changed in in uh, the the uh, the climate of the world, um, and and again we realize after the flood the world went through traumatic change, and so again the area of Sodom and Gomorrah was like the, a, a well watered garden. The Bible says, but by the time of King David it was desert. Well, we go on here, and it says they were he was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. Now, it's interesting. We begin the last chapter with the the Lord appearing to Lot, and he was uh, seated in his tent, no doubt looking through uh, the tent opening out by the trees and and where he went out to set by the trees and all. Um, He was there at his place, is what the Bible says. Much different than Lot, who was once um, on the outside outskirts of Sodom. Then he finds himself living in Sodom. And now we find him in the government of Sodom. Sin is progressive, friends. Never think that sin stays the same. You can't get a bridle on sin. Uh, you think, well, I can control it. I can, I can start. I can stop doing drugs whenever I want or drinking or whatever. No, it doesn't work that way. Sin's powerful, and that's why the Bible warns us about it. It is not something that we mess with. People say, well, I I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. I believe every alcoholic, every drug addict, every person that's ever got drunk with the riches of this world uh, says, well, I I, I don't need this stuff to to exist. I can do whatever I want to do. But there's there's a desire for sin. And it increases. Sin never stays static. It never remains the same. And so I believe this is why we see the progression of Lot going from pitching his tent on the outskirts to now being a a part of the government of Sodom as well. So he says, And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Now, this is interesting because evidently in some way, Lot recognized that these were in some way angelic beings. Paul tells us in the New Testament to not to forget to entertain strangers because some have actually entertained angels unaware. I don't exactly understand all that, but I know the Bible says it. Here we find they appeared to be men, but Lot recognized them for being something else. Now, sometimes people say, well, you ever been around that person? Boy, did I get the creeps when I was around that guy or that girl. Others say, boy, isn't that person got the sweetest heart in the world? Man, you just want to be around them all the time. I think this is part of, of God's um, um, communication in the spirit to others. And I, I think it's interesting, even Jesus, when he was ministering to the crowds, the little kids were climbing over him and trying to get to him and the disciples were pushing the kids away. And Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't don't forbid them to come to me. Let them come. Why is that? Kids like to hang around where they know they're loved. They just do. They like to hang around where they understand what's going on. Uh, One of the great things about Jesus, he could confound the Pharisees in his teaching, and little children understood what he was saying. I'll tell you, that's a great teacher. Well, anyway, 
It says that he made it about his face towards the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn in your servant's house and spend the night, wash your feet, and when you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. Now, that was traditionally where a lot of people went. They didn't have motel sixes and all the stuff. There there were inns in those days, but they oftentimes were expensive. And so it was common to spend um, the night in the city park, if you will. That's kind of what it, it's talking about, the open square. Now, something else is interesting. Um, Abraham provided a way as well to wash the, his visitors' feet uh, in the last chapter. We find it again, this um, uh, way of welcoming people of, of, of their feet being washed. And they wanted to say, well, no, we're not going to stay in your house tonight. We'll just go down and stay in the open square. But he insisted, Lot insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then they made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. So again, being very hospitable. And I, I've talked about this before that Christians, I believe, should be very hospitable people. And be on the give because we re- remember who gives to us. Um, you know, the Bible says if, if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. So if you realize to be about your father's business, that we're just vessels in which God pours through, you're going to be able to bless others. And then in turn, God blesses us. That's the way it works. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. Now, this is really weird. And this is why why Lot did not want them to spend the night in the open square. He knew it would happen to them. And so as these strangers turned in, it's interesting, the gossip mill was probably running fairly well here because it says in every quarter of the city, both old and young. So it means that really all of them were involved in this sin from the young to the, to the old. And this is part of the reasons why God told Abraham he was going to destroy Sodom because of their great sin. It said it came up before him. Now, as we look at this, he, these guys surround his house, both young and old. So Lot went out, oh, excuse me, verse 5, and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. They wanted to have homosexual relations with them. Now, these are just visitors that show up in a town to just spend the night. Now, again, this to me is extremely troubling that the entire town shows up, the men, to know them sexually. Boy, this is scary stuff. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him. And he said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now that I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you. You may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Gee, thanks, Dad. Shows you that Lot's moral compass had completely broke. Now, this is interesting to me that God would extend his grace to Lot, knowing that Lot was, again, pitched his tent towards them, then moved into the town. Now he's in part of the governance of the city, and he now offers a homosexual mob his two virgin daughters instead of the two angels that are under his roof. Wow. You think that sin stays the same? You don't think that hanging around with worldly people is going to have an effect 
on the way you and me would, would, would value our moral compass? Do you think we can watch the junk on television and not think it's going to affect in some way that we view life? Oh, but everybody's doing it. It's all acceptable. This is the new, the new age. No, it's not, friends. I'm sure this is probably what went around in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the Bible clearly says that these angels came to warn Lot, his loved ones, to get out of town. God was going to destroy it. Now, something that we find here I think is very important, and we're going to see it as we read on. It's one thing to be homosexual. It's another thing when it's accepted by society. And it's another thing when that becomes violent. You see, sin does not stay static. It doesn't stay the same. It progresses. Oftentimes, we may not even know it's progressing. This is one of the things where they say marijuana is a gateway drug. Well, I don't know. I've never gotten looted in my life, but I can tell you this much. My friends that I went to high school with, they started in little things and they end up with their lives totally ruined because sin doesn't stay the same. So it went from homosexual to now violent homosexuals as they were pressing on the house. And they said, stand back. And by the way, um, this one came to sojourn, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. He says he was acting as a judge. So evidently, he probably had gotten into some type of the hierarchy within the city. Now, why is that? Well, I do believe God does bless, and I do believe people do, in, deep in their heart, recognize values in an individual, certainly in a leader. And I believe they saw that in him. And probably this is one of the reasons why he ended up in the position that he was in. But that doesn't mean that these people in a mob wouldn't try to overthrow him. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They said, stand back. And then it says, this one came to sojourn or live among us is what it says. Now, notice it says, we'll deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to breaking down the door, literally, that he was backed up against. This is getting pretty scary. They wanted the men inside. Lot is depriving them of their fun for the night, and they're angry. Now, notice what happens. I think this is important because of the call of God in a believer's life. Now, I don't know where Lot was at with God at this particular point. It certainly seems fairly deteriorated, but it may very well be because the love that God had for Abraham, he extended that love to his nephew, Lot. And so it says, but the men reached their hands out and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. So the angels grabbed him, pulled him inside and shut the door. Now, you'd think that would be the end of the story. Friends, that's only the beginning. Verse 11, it says, and here's what the Bible says. The angels literally struck the men who were out, in, out of the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they became weary trying to find the door. Even being smote with blindness, they did not give up their quest to get to these men. Wow. You look at this and you go, man, this is crazy. They wanted sin so bad, they were smote with blindness. You know, if you get smote with blindness and you're doing something kind of weird, you think, hey, you know, maybe I should just go home right now. Not these guys. No, they groped for the door being blind. Verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, 
and whomever you, uh, uh, whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. Now, it's interesting, the angels knew Lot's family. They uh, earlier had even mentioned um, Sarah by name. Uh, God knows our name. God knows your family. God knows everything. God doesn't learn. He knows it all, which I think is really great that knowing the mistakes I make in my life, God still chose me to be part of his team. I always use the illustration in the last few seconds of a Super Bowl team, score is uh, one team is uh, slightly leading the other by a field goal, and um, uh, the ball is snapped, thrown to the guy in the end zone, and oh, here's their chance to overcome and beat the other team. And he drops the ball in the last few seconds and loses the game. If you knew that, you were the quarterback, would you throw the ball to somebody that you knew was going to drop it? No, you wouldn't. But you know what's funny with God? Sometimes God does that, knowing we will drop it. And you say, well, why would God do that? Well, I think a couple of things. One, it shows us that God loves us in spite of the times we've dropped it. But the other thing is, God shows us through that drop ball that he's bigger than our mistakes and has a way to fix it. And I believe this is one of the great things that God offers in true Christianity. No other religion in the world offers. And I've shared this before. Other religions will offer you some way to get right with God. Go sell flowers in an airport, you know, burn incense sticks, recite mindless prayers, uh, join our church, give all your money, do these different things. And you might, you might just get on the good side of God. Maybe. Um. But God not only, through Jesus Christ, lets us be on God's side, but then the Bible says he restores us. No other religion in the world offers restoration from God. They might tell you how to get right with God so God won't be angry with you, but God actually, as a believer, as a child of his, rebuilds our life, forgives us, and, and, and allows us to go on and do what he wants us to do in spite of us dropping it in the end zone in the last few seconds. God says, it's all right. I'm bigger than the drop ball. Let's keep going. I like that about God. See, ask God's great love for you and me. So as we look at this story, we realize that Lot didn't do everything right. And yet God continued to work with him. Oh, friends, that's so important. You might be listening to this this morning, and you might be estranged from God. You might be distant from God. Maybe you knew God when you were younger. Maybe you were part of the Jesus movement. Maybe you uh, uh, went to church. Maybe even a Sunday school teacher. Maybe a pastor. And the cares of this life and things um, took your heart away from the Lord. And you find yourself distant from God this morning. And you think, well, God would never have me back. Oh, that's a, that's a lie from the devil. Because God always wants you back. You see, because his, his great arms, his great strength is bigger than what you've done wrong. The Bible says to, the, to us says in, in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son, the kid came to his sense and says, even my dad's servants are treated better than I am. I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask my dad if I can just have a job so I don't have to eat what the pigs are eating. And the Bible says his father saw him a long way off. And you know, a lot of people miss that in the Bible, but that means his dad was a looking for him. If you're looking for something a long way off, you're looking for something. And he saw his son coming home. The Bible says in his underwear. And the Bible says the father ran, put a robe on him, put shoes back on his feet, put a ring on his finger, which is a symbol of authority, and had a big party and invited him to come back and be his son again. Oh, friends, remember this. God's greater than the things you've done wrong. And as we see this, and we see Lot in a bad situation right here, we know God didn't forget him. And notice it says, the men said to Lot, do you have anybody else here you care about? They need to get out of town. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has gone great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Wow. These two guys came in. See, you know, it's really weird how sin blinds us to reality. Here are two guys that come to town who have the power to destroy the city. And the mob says, we want to 
know him sexually, not realizing who they're tampering with. You know, friends, sin is stupid. It just is. Now, now again, why is that? We don't know what we're getting ourselves into when we're getting into it. Because sin has a way of cloaking itself to what it's really going to do to you. I always notice uh, the commercials and the magazines and, and um, you know, all these things about what their product's going to do. The, the liquor, you know, and they always got some slinky girl on a velvet chair or whatever. Yeah, you know, they don't tell you what the long-term effect is going to be. See, this is one of the great problems. We don't know what long-term effects are. Whether it's a it's a, whether it's a uh, it's a vaccine for the coronavirus or uh, you know getting your six pack and chugging it down, what are you going to be like in a couple of years? You're going to die of liver cancer. See, they don't tell you these things. Sin blinds us to reality. Sin blinds us that someday we're going to die and we're going to stand before a God that's going to call us into accountability of our life. Here's these two guys that are preparing to destroy the city and the mob of the town comes out young and old and says, we want to know him sexually. Whoa. Talk about being blind. Well, he says, and by the way, it's still interesting that Lot recognized him, but the people of the city didn't. They didn't understand what Lot was saying. Again, sin makes you stupid. It really does. That's why... The Bible says, come and learn of me. You won't be taken advantage of by the devil and his minions anymore. And so it says, the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his, his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But his sons-in-law seemed to be joking. <laughs> really? Come on, man. You know, what are you talking about? Things have been this way for as long as we can remember. It doesn't mean that it all ain't going to come to an end someday. You know, I, I think it's really funny when we were all watching the last Super Bowl, for instance. Who would have dreamed that right after the Super Bowl, our country, the world, would be in the shape that it's in. Who would have dreamed that if somebody would have came on on a commercial on the Super Bowl and said, do you realize that in just eight to 10 weeks, your entire economy of your country is going to be in, in the trash? You're going to have over 33 million people filing for unemployment. 33 million filing for unemployment. People would have, well, thought that he was joking. You see, because we don't realize how quickly things can change. Again, this time continuum thing that all things remain as they are. Nope. If you study ge geology, if you study economies of the world, if you study wars, friends, it doesn't stay the way it always is. Things are always changing. And I pray that no matter what changes in the world, that you have your peace with God. Now, Again, we don't approach God in our goodness. Look how good I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just as you are. There's nothing good, Paul says, that dwells in the flesh. There's no good thing dwells in the flesh except Jesus Christ. He's what makes the bad good. It's like Jesus is the filter, and all the junk gets filtered through him. And the things that are done with the right motive as God inspires us, we'll be rewarded on Judgment Day. And all the other stuff God says he forgives us for. This morning, we need to be forgiven. Boy, you can see how these people... Do you realize if these people would have stopped and said, Lot, what, what are you talking about? Well, these are angels. They're going to destroy the city if we don't repent. You know, it's weird. This is kind of the same message that Jonah had when he went to Nineveh. The difference is... Nineveh repented. Here was a city three days journey across. So if you were going to walk across the city of Nineveh, probably about a million people in those days. And when they heard Jonah's message, 40 days and Nineveh is destroyed. Something caught in their heart. And the Bible says from the king down, they repented and God spared their city of a judgment. 
For over a hundred years, God extended mercy to Nineveh, this wicked city. God's a merciful God. By the way, that was the biggest revival in the Bible. It was done to a Gentile city. So anybody that says, well, God didn't love Gentiles in the Old Testament, never read the story of Jonah. And yet Jonah, this great Jewish evangelist, who led the biggest revival in the whole Bible recorded for us, didn't like it. He wanted God to destroy him. You see, God's merciful when people aren't. Well, these guys say, hey, God's going to destroy the city. And his sons-in-law laughed at him. Oh, yeah, right. Well, verse 15, when morning came, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Um, I've always found something important. When God tells you to do something, best to do it. If God tells you not to do something, best you don't do it. Saying, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand. Now, the, the angels grabbed Lot's hand and said, you got to go. You know, Lot was, was just kind of dilly-dallying around. And his wife's hand in the hands of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful to him. And as they brought him out of this, they brought him out and set him outside the city. He li they literally had to lead them out, grab their hands. Okay, everybody hold hands. We're going out of the city. Now, I'm sure probably people may have saw this. It said when morning came. And in those days when the sun come up, as it is oftentimes even in Hawaii, um, uh, life starts when the sun comes up and it ends when the sun goes down. Well, my people probably saw these two guys dragging Lot and his family out of the city. You know, God, God does give warnings. You know, in the days of Noah, uh, he builds this big boat. And all of a sudden, one day, the boat's almost done. All these animals start showing up around town. Hey, I've never saw that animal before. And then they see him get on the ark two by two. At that point, I think I would have, I would have said, there's something you don't see every day. Um, they fail to interpret the data at hand. And the Bible says God shut the door of the ark. Noah didn't close it. God did. And the rain came, the wells of the deep broke open, and the boat floated, and every living thing on the earth died. They failed to interpret the data at hand. I believe that as they were led out of the city, holding hands, this has got to be something people saw. But they didn't do anything about it. And so it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. He asked them, no. Um, there's something wrong in this statement. <laughs> I have found when you're telling God no, something ain't right. No, Lord. <laughs> God knows what's best. Lot, notice again, then Lot said to them, please, no, not so, is literally in the old King James. Not so. Um, you just don't say no to God. I've learned that in life. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your, your uh, mercy, which you have sworn to me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Um, it's funny that he had faith to stay in the city, but he didn't have faith to go in the mountains where God told him to go. So notice it says, see now there's a city near here, close enough to flee to. It's a little one. Please let me escape there. Um, uh, is it not just a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also in which I will not overthrow this city for 
which you have spoken. Hurry, escape, therefore I cannot do anything literally to destroy Sodom until you have arrived there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor, which simply means little. Now, notice this, so important. Um, Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Till you escape from here, go there, I can't do anything. You say, why is that important? It's because... This is one of the reasons why I believe what Paul says about the rapture of the church. If God was willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah for 10 righteous, um, God's a merciful God. When Lot left the city, then God could destroy it. I believe this is why Jesus comes before the tribulation period. The Bible calls us his bride. And because he's called us his bride, I don't know any groom that would subject his bride to the torment that we find beginning in Revelation chapter 6. Right here, clearly, it says that they could not destroy Sodom until Lot and his family were out of the city. I don't believe God will bring his judgment upon this earth until the Christians are gone. I believe every Christian that is truly saved will go in the rapture of the church. Now you say, well, what about those that are saved during the tribulation period? Well, the Bible calls them saints, calls them the elect. But the church is gone. You don't find the church mentioned again after chapter 4. Or actually, I should say, after chapter 3, chapters 2 and 3, then you find the church in heaven, chapters 4 and 5. But you don't find the church mentioned again. They're saints, they're elect, but there's going to be people that love God during that time that get saved. But those that are believers, I believe, are withholding the great judgment on this earth right now. Do you think the world is ready for a judgment? Have you watched some of the movies coming out in the movie houses? Have you watched some of the things that are on television that are extremely profane? Have you watched what the world has made of itself? I believe this is why the pre-tribulation, as Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. I think any man that says, no, Jesus can't come back until the middle of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation or not at all, is simply rebuking Christ. You say, well, how can I say that? Because Jesus said, behold, I come as a thief. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me. Oh, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. He can't come back to the middle of the tribulation. Be careful. You see, a lot of times people have never read the entirety of the Bible and call themselves Bible teachers. This is one of the things that will, the Bible will do if you read it line upon line, precept upon precept, the way the book of Isaiah says to study scriptures. As you read the entirety of the Bible, it's going to bring the balance that you need. So you won't get off onto tangents. But cults exclusively work on pulling verses out of context and building theologies upon them. Mormons teach baptism for the dead. Well, it's in the Bible. Yeah, that's right. Except it's not good. Paul says, if you don't believe in life after death, why are you baptizing for the dead? You never find Jesus Christ talking about baptism for the dead. You don't find any of the New Testament books talking about it other than Paul who rebukes a church, the church at Corinth, that were doing a lot of really weird things. They even turned communion into a drunken party, Corinthians chapter 11. They were doing all kinds of kooky stuff. And one of the kooky things they were doing was baptizing for the dead. The book of Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. There's no purgatory, there's no second chance, there's no baptism for the dead, nothing. Everybody stands before God on the life that they have lived. No second chances. That's why it's important we get it right. Well, God's word is here, so we will get it right. It's not hard. 
to understand. And so God says, I won't destroy this city until you guys are gone out of it. Notice he goes on and he says, Hurry, escape, for I cannot do anything till you arrive there. Therefore, they call the name of the city, Little City or Zora. The sun had risen upon the earth and Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. This is amazing judgment here. And so he overthrew those cities in all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and whatever grew on the ground, all were literally burned up and dead. But his wife looked back behind him and she turned to a pillar of salt. Now, it's interesting that you can take a person out of the city physically, but their heart is still somewhere else. We remember the children of Israel had the same problem. God led the children of Israel out of Egypt by Moses. And after they experienced some some. Uh, some days in the wilderness, they said to Moses, oh, we remember the leeks and the garlics that we had back in Egypt. You see, physically, they were on the way to the promised land. Their hearts were still in Egypt. They were still slaves. So a lot of times, just being in a place doesn't make you in that place. And I think that's why sometimes we have to be honest with God. And you know, I think sometimes we can be so honest that we can say, God, where I'm at, I'm not happy. So Lord, would you change the channel? Would you change the circumstances in my life so I can be where you want me to be? So I'll do the best job for you. I think it's a good thing. Sometimes being honest with God, well, always being honest with God is the best thing you can do. I think when, before we, we, we can't even come to Christ unless we're honest with ourselves. You know, do you want another 10 years like you just had? No. Well, then it's time to change the road you're on. So he says, And Abram went early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. So Lot saw, or or Abram saw the destruction of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, here's an interesting thought. When God told him to get out of town, and Lot says, well, let us go to this little town called Zor. Why didn't Lot go back to Abraham, his uncle? It shows that when we're not right, we don't want to be around people who love God, I believe. He could have went back. He he knew that that Lot uh, was. He knew that he was uh, his uncle. He could have went back, but sin separates us from um, our friends. Isn't it weird that he that Lot offered the homosexual crowd that was violent his daughters, and then not just offer. He said, "Do whatever you want to do to them." Wow. Shows you the depravity of how far Lot had fallen. And then when he was going to leave, he goes, well, I'll just go back to Abraham. Now, you got to remember, when Abraham and Lot parted, their, their corporations were so big, they couldn't dwell together. Now, Lot is only escaping with his two daughters. His wife turns to a pillar of salt. Sin never does you good. He lost everything that he had. Well, we read on. So Abraham sees the smoke of the furnace going up, this destruction of the cities. And it came to pass, God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt, I suppose Abraham probably thought, Wow, how sad. He chose to go that direction because it looked like a better deal. 
only to find out that he lost everything. This morning, we're going to stop here. We'll pick up the story next week as we continue our study in chapter 19 of Genesis. But, you know, this morning, a lot of, a lot of interesting lessons here. Sin's deceptive. Sin is stupid. You'll find yourself in sin doing things you would have never, ever thought you were capable of doing. Because that's how sin works. It numbs you to reality. Now, the Bible says that pride is the, is, is the root of every sin. Because inside we have to say, yeah, I know what God's word says about this, but I know better. Friends, we're going to lose every time. It's just the way it works. So this morning, if you're distant from God, you, you've, you've let your, like Lot, you know, you once were there, you enjoyed the blessings of God, you parted from your family, and now you're out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by people that don't love God. You might be married to somebody that doesn't love God either. Certainly Lot's wife's heart was still in, in Sodom. She turned around and looked back. Maybe it's time to come home to Jesus this morning. And if you're not a Christian, you already know you've lived your life long enough to know the answers aren't in trying to serve yourself. You know, there's an old bumper sticker years ago that said, give Jesus a chance. I would just say, give Jesus everything. You're going to be a lot better off. So if you're distant from God this morning, or you're not a Christian this morning, I want to invite you to invite Christ into your life. You see, he loves you. He's a God that does love. He wouldn't bring the judgment of, of, of Sodom on the city until Lot and his family were gone. You know, again, I, I see this as a tremendous, loving, merciful thing that God did. He wants to do it for you too today. He wants to bless you. So we're going to pray, if you want, and, and I'll lead you in a prayer. And you can move from a place of God's wrath, fire and brimstone, to a place of God's blessing and let him heal you and restore you. Remember, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. You say, but Mike, you don't know how bad my life is. Doesn't matter. God is the master restorer. In fact, I think sometimes this is why God picks the most unsuspecting people to do his work. You see, if God picked just the wise or the wealthy or whatever, people say, oh, well, it's because, you know, he put, he has God, but look, he was smart to begin with. God pick, takes people that are really train wrecks. Everybody knows is a train wreck and, and, and he rebuilds us and then everybody knows it's God. You see, they, they, they knew in the New Testament, it says, they knew that they were unskilled, unlearned men, but they spoke so well, and they knew they had been with Jesus. I'd invite you today, start, start letting God be your, your friend. Start letting God be your Lord. Start letting God be your king. And be about his business rather than yours, and you're going to find yourself blessed, healed, restored, and on your way to heaven. What a great thing. So if you need to get right with God, let's just pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of the foolish way that I have lived. And I ask you now from this day forward that you would forgive my sins and I would live for you and your purpose. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and his blood covered my sins. So now I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to, to love and, and to, to have boldness. And thank you for eternal life with you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer. God shows you your whole life is goodness. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. Got a little book for you called Time to Grow. It, it really just explains the Christian life. And if you're not from around the southern Idaho area, it tells you what you really need to look for in a church, you know, where they really teach God's word and they abide by what God's word says. And so I'd like to invite you to, to send in and I'll give you that. I also got a little, a uh, couple of DVDs, God of Wonders, and as well as Evolution versus God, I'll be glad to send you. And um, 
you can begin your relationship with God. The Bible says to be baptized. If you're in the Southern Idaho area, you can get baptized here. If you're uh, somewhere else, find a church, like I say, that, that follows God's word and get baptized. Read his word every day. A good place to read in your Bible is the book of John, John chapter 3. At the end of the book of John, it says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what you need to know. How powerful is the God that you just asked to come and live inside of you? John chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John 3. Read there. Be in fellowship. And again, let God restore you, bless you, and heal you. And for the rest that have been walking with the Lord, all of us are in this uh, COVID-19, whatever this thing really is, all I can say is we got a God in heaven who's preparing a place for us. And someday he's going to take us home. And I can't wait. And I pray every one of you watching goes in that rapture. The Bible says the voice of the archangel. He's going to blow a trumpet. And in a moment, twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be transformed. We're going to be caught up into the air and there we'll ever be with him. I can't wait. I pray you understand that. Oh, and by the way, it's all the way through the Bible. Enoch, in the book of Genesis, walked with God and was taken. Elijah walked with God, and the Bible says he was caught up in a whirlwind like a fiery chariot. Philip was baptizing an Ethiopian eunuch. When he came up out of the water, God supernaturally moved him over to the coast. Yeah, God moves people around all over. It's not a new concept. It's in the Bible all the way from Genesis clear into Revelation. God's got great things for you. Let him do that for all of us and for those who are walking with the Lord. Keep going. Let your light shine. People are really looking for answers right now. And so until we're together again, may the Lord keep your heart, your mind, and your body safe in him. May God grant you all health and peace. And so, Father, as we go, may we go with your blessing and in the spirit of your might. And for all those that said yes to you today, may you transform them. Just as your word says, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you until we're together next week. May the Lord keep you.